0: Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the F3 Experience, a journey in faith, family, and fitness. This is your host, Ty Bradshaw, and I want to thank you for tuning in. I hope you find the information valuable. Now sit back, relax, and enjoy the show. Ladies and gentlemen, I'm really excited about our guest today, Colleen Loveland. Colleen is a registered and licensed dietitian, nutritionist, and certified diabetes educator. Colleen earned a Bachelor's of Science in Nutrition and Dietetics from Stephen F. Austin and a Master's of Science from the University of Central Oklahoma. In 2005, Colleen joined the Cooper Clinic as a dietitian, specializing in diabetes management, cardiovascular health, and weight management. She worked as a dietitian in several hospitals in Dallas prior to joining the Cooper team. She previously taught principles of nutrition at Tarrant County Community College and Dallas County Community College. She has a passion for helping people achieve good health and providing nutrition support and guidance for disease prevention and management. She is a member of the American Academy of Nutrition and Dietetics and American Association of Diabetes Educators. She participates in practice groups, diabetes care and education, sports, cardiovascular and wellness wellness nutrition, along with healthy aging. Colleen and her husband, Craig, have two children. She enjoys Camp Gladiator Boot Camp, running, cheering on her daughter at soccer games, and supporting her son, who is currently a student at the University of Texas at Austin. Ladies and gentlemen, let's welcome Colleen Loveland to the show. All right, well, good morning. I have my guest with me, Colleen. Colleen, how are you doing this morning? Right. Um, So start with a little lighthearted question. I assume uh, you're kind of in a similar realm in that you deal with nutrition. I know as a trainer, I mean, people assume that I'm always in best shape. I try to eat uh, great all the time, and that's not true. Uh, so even uh, as a nutritionist, uh, what are some of your vices when it comes to, to eating? Oh,
1: We all have our favorites, so I would definitely say
0: ice cream. Okay. <laughs> what kind of ice cream do you like? My very favorite is Bluebell Cookies and Cream. Okay. So. I love cookies and cream is one of my favorites. I'm a I'm a uh, a Briars kind of guy. Uh-huh. I grew up on the East Coast, so I love some Briars ice cream. Right. Well, I'm excited about today. Uh, we have a lot of uh, questions that came in regarding nutrition, um, and kind of kinda setting the record straight on some things. So looking forward to uh, to helping you there. Um, I wanna start out with a lot of times people are frustrated, they're working out very hard and they're not seeing the changes to their body. Uh, what is the role that nutrition plays in changing the composition of somebody's body?
1: Oh, it absolutely. A very important role. So we look at fitness and then how are you, you fueling yourself, mm-hmm. which is nutrition, it's food. So, and if you have any type of goal, you always want to consider what's going in. Right. So you want to fuel yourself the best you can so you can perform better and get the most out of your workout. And then promote whatever goal you have, whether it's maintenance, loss, or gain.
0: Okay. Late. So from, from your work in a clinical setting, what do you think is the biggest mistake people make nutritionally?
1: Um, probably embarking on something they can't sustain. So, uh. so doing something that's going to be a temporary fix because they buy into getting the, that quick result. Mm-hmm. But not being able to sustain it. And then they get frustrated because they undo what they've done.
0: Right. So, um, so how much of what we do consistently, I, I, I did a talk a few weeks ago, the difference between uh, motivation and discipline. So it seems like when, um, when people want to reach a goal, they're highly motivated. And, and uh, that's probably why a lot of these short-term things are attractive to them. But from a nutrition standpoint, how long do you think it takes to develop discipline in the way that we eat?
1: So I always tell patients, you know, give it six to eight weeks to mm-hmm. make a habit really a, a routine that you can embrace and right. stick to for a long period and then you always need to reconsider, re- rethink and make sure you still have that same motivation if you're reaching your goals and then always say take time to think. Yeah, 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 <laughs> and know, a lot of times time. we don't do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We, we go through our day and we are what we live and, we, and food's a big part of that. Okay. So we kind of tend to revert back to our habits and that can be a stumbling block.
0: All right. So um, one of the the first questions I wanted to start with is really a very basic thing that I think a lot of people don't get. Um, By definition, um, I understand that a calorie is just a unit of energy, but we always talk about macronutrients, carbohydrates, fats and proteins. Um, Can you talk a little bit about the role of each of those?
1: Sure. So we have classes of nutrients and carbohydrates is your energy source. I call it gas in your car. Okay. So that is your preferred fuel source for your brain, your central nervous system, your muscles. So it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to throw out that, that group of nutrients. Mm-hmm. People don't think about what carbs are. So it is sugar,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which we want to get less of, but it also includes your fruits, your dairy and your breads and starches. Right. So those are families of carbohydrates. They fuel your muscles. Protein is a very complex structure and it helps to build and repair muscle mass. So it helps to build and repair. And then fat carries fat-soluble vitamins so and adds flavor and taste to our food. Mm-hmm. Very important. Don't miss water. Water's the most critical nutrient that we have. Mm. So those
0: are things that we... And it's a hard one to stay consistent with. Right. I know even myself personally, when the weather changes and it gets cooler, I have a very hard time drinking the amount of water that I should. And I drink a decent amount of coffee. So... <laughs> When you're drinking coffee, uh, should you consume more water to make up for um, the caffeine effect of coffee?
1: So, caffeine can dehydrate you a little bit, so mm-hmm. it's always good to compensate with more. But I always ask people, you know, what are you putting in your coffee? Right. So, are you drinking extra calories along with the caffeine? A little bit. So, <laughs> I
0: think it tastes, good. <laughs> um, it tastes good. So, one of the things you, you, you just mentioned um, is the, the dehydration effect that caffeine can have. What effect can being dehydrated have on weight loss, or or just overall goals in terms of losing or gaining weight?
1: So sometimes when people aren't drinking enough, you're not carrying all the nutrients to the different cells in your body. So you have to consider that, and then you lack the satiety value, and you can end up compensating dehydration and hunger almost. All right. So you want to make sure hydration is on there, so your body's getting all the nutrients that it needs.
0: Okay. So um, we talked about protein we talked about carbs uh starting i think in about the 70s there was this low fat kick but fat is very important for our body as well right what's the primary role of of the fat
1: right so it's very that's an interesting subject so my one of my first jobs was in a cardiac rehab um practice and part of it was low fat and all the no-fat products were out on the market, but people kept gaining weight right. that were in their rehab because they were eating the whole box of snack oil cookies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it rehab. doesn't have any fat, I can yeah. have it all. But they were never satiated, they right. were never satisfied, so they always had that hunger, the lower blood sugars, and so they were gravitating towards refined carbs. Right. And that that was justified because it didn't have any
0: fat in right. it. Mm.
1: it. Definitely plays a role, but there's good healthy fat, and there's not so
0: good fat. Right. Um, if you had to give us maybe two or three fats that we should absolutely eat, what would they
1: be? Um, so healthy fats are monounsaturated. Mm-hmm. So I do nuts, seeds, avocados, your oils, olive right. oil, super good.
0: I really want to like avocados. I just, exactly. I'm a texture guy and I just, I can't do it. Right. <laughs> I right. want to do it though. Um, is it counterintuitive or counteractive to, um, just cut out certain foods at once? So a lot of times when we're doing different type of uh, diets or trying different meal plans, we're cutting out our breads, cutting out sugars. Mm-hmm. Um, but you mentioned earlier, right? You want to do things that you can sustain. Right. So is it counterproductive to cut that out altogether? Um, because as we know, a lot of times people diet, when they go back to a normal style of eating for them, they gain the weight back so much faster. And it seems like even more. Is that because they've totally wiped out something? Um, or are they just over-consuming when they Start to eat it again.
1: It could be a combination of both. But you want to think about what are you cutting out? Are Mm -hmm. you throwing out a whole food group that you're you know, also taking out nutrients and a lot of good nutrition, or is it things that don't aren't necessary like sugar or alcohol or you know, something that doesn't really provide a true nutrient benefit to your body. It probably isn't as hard, you know, harmful to your body to get rid of. Okay. But if you're throwing out dairy, let's say you have to consider you've got protein, you got calcium, you got your B vitamins that you're throwing out as well. Okay. So how are you gonna compensate for that?
0: So it's interesting you, you bring up dairy. I'm I'm not a dairy, uh, well I eat cheese, but like just from a milk per, uh, perspective, I don't consume right dairy. And um, sometimes I wonder, is, th- is that good or bad? Like have we been, is, is it is everything really, really factual or have the changes really made a negative effect? Um, And part of... I'm going to give you my logic around this and you could give me uh, the the reality from your standpoint. Um, Years ago, I I just sat back and kind of thought about how um, when cows have calves, eventually they'll wean that calf off of the milk. And as adults, you know, a, a woman would have a baby and if she breastfeeds, eventually that child is weaned off of milk. And then we will feed a child cow's milk that the calf or that the cow won't feed his calf. And I don't know why this particular day that just stopped making sense to me. Um, so I, you know, I stopped drinking milk and I wasn't a big milk drinker anyway. Um, but for drinking it just from a nutrition standpoint, I stopped doing it at that point. Um, about two years ago, I was seeing a nutritionist and she recommended, Um, a particular type of milk which I did drink off and on and that was mainly because I was dealing with a a, a calorie deficiency Um, so she suggested this milk so that I can help get those additional calories but from the the logic that I was using am I totally off base or is there some justification in
1: no every you can choose foods for any amount of a number of reasons that Mm -hmm. you want to but you just want to like consider the nutrition that you're choosing to eliminate and right. make sure you compensate for those so there's all sorts of ways to get so my biggest thing is protein and calcium when you go dairy free right. so how are you going to compensate for that there's almond milk there's cashew milk there's right. other sources you're probably getting yours from ice cream
0: i, I don't <laughs> I, uh i'm not getting that much ice cream but i now i was consuming almond milk um but i wouldn't just drink it you know randomly but if i was right. making a shake or uh, the rare times I eat cereal um sometimes I would use it then right um so so, so
1: men need about a thousand milligrams of calcium a day, right and your body can absorb around five hundred at a time, so it's important that you kind of just infuse that throughout
0: right, the day, throughout the day. Mm-hmm. okay, and it
1: could be cheese, it could low fat cheese or it could be a yogurt or it could be an, another source right
0: um one of the questions that that came in um talked about the the late night eating. Mm -hmm. Um, and just what do you suggest for snacks in the late afternoon? It it sounds like maybe that's where the cravings are coming in. How can they either curb those cravings or are there particular snacks that you would recommend later in the day?
1: Sure, sure. So when you look at um, planning your meals and snacks throughout the day, after about four hours, your blood sugars naturally drop, Mm -hmm. um, especially during the day when you're more active. So it makes sense to fuel yourself a little bit better during the day. Um, if it gets to be longer than that, four to five hours, I usually recommend a 200-calorie snack. So put a limit on it, because sometimes our snacking can turn into another meal's worth of calories. Correct. So kind of put a limit on it, and usually I'll say aim for two food groups. Okay. So it'd be great if you could fuel yourself with a carbohydrate source, and then a f- source of protein and a little bit of fiber. Okay. Or a healthy fat even. Cool. So like a mozzarella cheese stick and a piece of fruit, or a little bit of peanut butter on some whole grain crackers.
0: Um. Hmm. I like peanut butter a lot. <laughs> uh, what, what are some of the, the best uh, sources of fiber? I do think that um, that may be one that we're totally missing the mark on both in not getting enough and understanding the importance. Could you kind of speak to that a little bit? Sure.
1: Sure. Um, so dietary fiber helps to move things through that GI tract, keeping mm-hmm. our intestines healthy. So it's kind it comes from undigestible plant-based foods. Right. So our whole grains is really important because you capture little bit of protein vitamins and minerals and your fiber mm-hmm. so two to three fruits every day right and then a whole grains as much as possible
0: okay yeah,
1: three cups of vegetables are better usually we're low on veggies I'm,
0: i definitely uh don't eat two to three fruits every day okay. <laughs> i'm getting better about my vegetables but um it does bring us into the next question um understanding the importance of fruits and vegetables but realistically it doesn't always happen Um, Do you have any specific recommendations that should be a daily priority? I know you mentioned the amount, but is there a way that people can maybe sneak these in? Um, And I'll add this. What what do you think about some of the kind of superfood powders that have been created? Are those um, a good source of getting the vitamins in through a drink form, especially when people aren't getting the necessary uh, or eating the necessary amount?
1: So so I usually strive for, we're big food pushers, so Mm -hmm. go for whole foods first and finding ways, like make a list of what are your favorite fruits, what are your favorite vegetables, what are some ways we can sneak things in. Mm -hmm. Um, So typically for fruits they're a little bit easier because they're nature's candy. sweeter. So whether it's even a little bit of raisins in your oatmeal, um, a handful of frozen blueberries in your cereal, something like that, and then grab one for the go. And there's your two right there. Um, It's better to chew your calories rather than drink them. Mm So, I mean supplements can play a role, especially if it's for out of convenience. Right. Um, But we want you to naturally, you know, hopefully chew your calories. So two to three fruits every day, loads of vegetables. A lot of times I'll say model your plate after a fourth of your plate protein, a fourth carb and half color. Mm -hmm. So if you can get in that mindset, it helps when you go out to eat, it helps when you go anywhere. So how are you going to model your plate with a fourth of it being meat or protein? A fourth of it, your carb, which is hard to do,
0: right, right, right? And
1: then half full of color, which is your fruits and
0: vegetables. Um, so so you mentioned it even helps when you're going out to eat, which I, I would agree when we're at like a sit down restaurant. But mm-hmm. how do you do that when you're like we're in a society where people are going through the drive through? It seems like more than anything else, right? Um, how do you get that same effect? So
1: it's what comes with the meal usually that's more of an issue, and then how you order. Mm-hmm. So take a little bit longer in the drive-through. Don't be in such a mad dash, and think about what you're ordering. So a grilled chicken sandwich, you can ask them not to butter the bun.
0: That doesn't taste as good. That's, that does taste good. We, <laughs> <laughs> we established that at the beginning. But
1: usually, more of the issues is the fries or the tater tots that comes with it. Right. So don't get the meal deal. Order all a car and get the side salad with it, or get the fruit cup with it, or get the yogurt parfait with it. Right. You know, pair it with something that that matters.
0: Nutrition wise, yeah, I don't eat a lot of fast food. I'm just thinking about when I do, I want the fries. Right. Right. (laughs) But get the kids fried. I mean, you can uh, moderation. There you go. Moderation. There you go. So I feel like this next question is kind of a loaded question because everybody is different. I'm aware of that, but um, how would you suggest, or what would you suggest, is the best way to lose over sixty pounds? Um, I want to add to that and talk about a time frame. A lot of times people want to, oh, can I lose 60 pounds in in six weeks? Eh, probably not, would, you know, is my recommendation. Um, but people seem adamant about trying to get to a goal in a specific time frame, but not really allocating enough time um, to get there. Um, so I'm sure this is probably uh, a type of question you may get. How would you best subscribe a person when they have 60 or more pounds to lose?
1: Right. So um, a safe and adequate rate of weight loss is two to four pounds a week. Mm -hmm. Really, two pounds is is a good goal weight. Initially, a lot of times we'll see weight come off quicker, but then it should taper off to about one to two a week. Right. And then sustain that loss. So you're embracing, you're giving yourself time to embrace lifestyle changes that you can stick to. Right.
0: So I know there's always plateaus that pop up in there, especially with a goal like this. Right. Um, If a person is, let's say they're not working out, you know, with working out, we could change the intensity, we could change the time, we can do things to burn additional calories to help lose the weight. If it's just food, there comes a point where you can only strip so many calories. So how do you make the modifications for them to continue losing the weight?
1: Right. So at that point, it can be very frustrating. So we kind of, you know... Settle in and, and be okay with maintenance for a couple of weeks before right. we can kick start that weight loss. Because sometimes your body does get to a set point where right. it's defending that weight. Right. But just encouraging them and keeping them motivated to, to maintain those healthy lifestyles and the weight will eventually come off. Right. Sometimes we'll recommend a resting metabolic rate test to see what their rate of calorie burn is right. and then adjusting the balance. Right. And a lot of times we'll find, you know, calories are creeping in. You're doing perfect Monday through Friday. And then Saturday and Sunday, you're blowing it out. Yeah. Or it could be, a lot of times I'll find that it's alcohol. And alcohol is metabolized completely different than proteins, carbs, and fat. Right. And that's just...
0: S- so since you bring it up, let, let's talk about that. What is uh, alcohol effect on weight loss? Um, and is there a difference between beer wine and alcohol as it relates to that
1: right so we call them all alcohol equivalent so okay. 12 ounces of beer is equivalent to five ounces of wine which is equivalent to one and a half ounces of liquor okay so those are things to consider the way it's metabolized is completely different than food so your body knows the difference you can't right. trick it so when you drink alcohol it co- converts in your liver mm-hmm. to fat and it's stored in tri- as triglycerides so it doesn't get fed through the Krebs cycle to burn energy To be burned, it's, right. st- it's fat storage okay when you're drinking the wine, you need to consider it.
0: That's like right, right, a lot right. of fat, So when sexy. people when people go party on the weekend and then they try to burn it off on on Monday, uh, that's ill effect because of the way that it burns. Correct.
1: Okay. Right. So so a good way to promote a weight loss, real quick, is if you're a drinker and and overconsumption, you can lose a significant amount by reducing that. Right.
0: So yeah. Because I do hear people all the time. They say they stop drinking and all of a sudden they're like just dropping weight. Um, so is it affecting their overall metabolism? Is that why that's happening? Or is it just the elimination of those calories? It's
1: just the way it's stored. I mean, you drink it and it's stored as fat. It's not efficiently burned at all. Ever? So, right. right. Oh, wow. So there's seven calories per gram in right. alcohol. There's nine, gram, nine calories per gram of fat and then four in protein and carb. Right. So it's a significant amount of calories and the way it's handled and stored, it's an effective way to promote weight loss if you're...
0: Just yeah, those
1: extra calories, and then if you're doing liquor, you got to think about the sugar that's in the mixers too. Right. Yeah. It it's a lot of sugar in those <laughs> mixers. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. So you should like say hydrate. Like hydrate first. Sip on whatever drink you're having, and then water yeah. after. Women try, really, the new recommendation is no more
0: than one per day for men and women. Right, right. And so. we probably shouldn't do it. Like, we can't save them up can't over the weekend eat it and drink it all on Saturday. You can't thank alcohol. <laughs> 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 Your alcohol- <laughs> <obviously>. <laughs> Yeah, what's the name? it gone. It's gone. Um, so, leading into the, in the next question and just being very specific about carbs in general. Uh-huh. They've been labeled as, like, the enemy. Um, but is is that the case? Um, And what happens when, what happens to our body physically and mentally when we start to remove too many carbohydrates?
1: Right. So carbohydrates, when you consume a carb, it turns into glucose, which is your most preferred fuel source to make our bodies go. It helps you think and all that good stuff. So the recommendation is 45 to 65% of your calories should come from carbohydrates. Mm -hmm. So it's an important nutrient. So, and getting them from good sources are better. So if you right. get them from fruits and the dairy and the breads and starches, that's a more nutrient dense choice mm-hmm. than if you're doing a lot of refined processed sugars.
0: Right.
1: So you wanna get the fiber benefit, you wanna get the B vitamin benefit, you wanna make your carbs count. Right. Do we overeat carbs? Absolutely, because we love them. Yeah. And it's easy to do. But as, as far as elimination, it's not productive long-term. Right. Um, fat burns in a carbohydrate fuel is what I usually tell people Uh you have to have that, you have to fuel yourself so you can actually be efficient at burning fat
0: so any event that we drop our so first off, what's too low for, from a a carbohydrate perspective
1: Um, so everybody's different so it depends on the percentage of calories that you're eating, Uh, but typically I'll say you need about two to three servings of carb per meal okay,
0: and and in any event that we don't have enough carbohydrates, what does our body turn to for fuel?
1: So you can break down protein or fat. Okay. They can both be used as an energy source if, if need be. They're just not as efficient. Correct.
0: Um, But I would also assume it's detrimental if our body is turning to protein for energy because well,
1: you're it, down it, would break, it
0: would take it from our muscle tissue, right?
1: Correct. And you want to spare that as much as possible. Okay.
0: So years ago... Um, I derived at my own conclusion that the reason when people were doing like the Atkins diet that yeah. they may lose weight, but they never get the toneness or that they were looking for, it was because they can never sustain muscle. Am I correct in in that?
1: Well, they're not fueling their themselves properly, so they can get the workout. So what makes muscles is more better work. Right, you know, right, right. Being able to work, and you have to fuel your muscles to be able to lift the heavier weight and do more reps and right, all that good right. stuff. So if you don't have that on board, you're behind the eight ball.
0: Right. Um so this this next next question um something i'm interested in cuz this is what i'm currently doing but is eating after 6 p.m. really a bad thing for weight loss
1: So usually it's not a great idea to have a large meal if you're going to bed in th- within 3 hours right. a light snack can work but you want to look at you want to consider total calorie distribution mm-hmm. it makes sense to have more Calories going in when you're more active during the day. But there's nothing magic about 6 p.m.
0: Yeah, I I find for me it's more of a mental thing. Like I don't want chicken and broccoli after 6. That's more when I'm like where the cookies and ice cream. Like I don't want ice cream at 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I want it at 8 o'clock at night. And I don't know what that is mentally. Um, It just seems like that's the time when I'm supposed to eat it. Maybe it's the comfort thing about going to bed or something. I don't know.
1: It could be comfort or you have to ask yourself, did you fuel yourself enough during the day or is it a low blood sugar and you didn't get adequate carbs at dinner?
0: It's a good point. So let me let me ask this are. uh, If you have intense cravings at night, is that a sign that you haven't fueled your body right throughout the day or are you just in a habit of eating at
1: night? I always tell people ask yourself are you hydrated so challenge yourself with eight ounces of water first right. ask yourself if you're still hungry and then I would consider the balance because if you're craving something it's not necessarily a physiological need for a food right it could be lots of other things an emotional issue I mean comfort unwinding right stress all those good things
0: right cool um let's talk a little bit about vitamins uh Particularly, I had a question about the Smarty Pants vitamins, which, I, which I've seen, and I guess they're pretty popular now. Um, but this said, how do you feel about uh, Smarty Pants multivitamins for the whole family? Um, I know it's geared towards kids, but I guess they make an adult version. Uh-huh. Um, and if that's not the right vitamin, wh- what would you recommend as what we should look for with a vitamin?
1: Right. So a good multivitamin is most of them, most supplements are not harmful to take, but the benefits and scientific evidence-based research, right. it doesn't really support necessarily having to take one unless you find a blood deficiency in a nutrient. Right. So food first always, um, smarty pants could work, you know, as a I always call it an insurance policy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it kind of covers the basis if you're not, and it's hard to eat the perfect diet every day. Yeah. So it's not a
0: harmful thing to do. So are you, would you lean more towards like a multivitamin or getting very specific around where the needs may be?
1: So a lot of times we'll look at, yeah, multivitamin will cover the basics, but then we find a lot of people are vitamin D deficient. Mm-hmm. So sometimes extra, I use a vitamin D and right. D3 is beneficial. And then I always make sure omega-3 is on board because there's right. a lot of good evidence based research that that's beneficial.
0: So we, we know that fish is a great provider of, of that, okay. um, Is there a significant difference um, in that between farm-raised and wild? Like from a nutrient perspective, have you found anything vastly different between those two?
1: Um, Not significant. So so I think there's – I mean, you're going to get the protein benefit too by including that. And the goal is two to three times a week, getting the fattier fish.
0: Right. Yeah, I find myself – I lean a lot more towards wild just because of some of the stuff I read, but it's also a lot more money. Right. (laughs) (laughs) So so, so both can work. Right. (laughs)
1: And you're going to get that nutrient, the omega-3 benefit.
0: Right. So um, speaking of wild and fish, uh, I have a lot of, oftentimes I try to wean myself off of beef. Sometimes I go through period when I eat it a lot. Uh, Now I'm just, I eat it so infrequently that I'm willing to spend the extra money on grass-fed beef. And I know that when a lot of like scientific studies were done, the quality of our food was just much better. Um, Given what we know now about what's fed to cows, um, how does that impact the overall uh, nutrient intake on our end once we get cows that may not have eaten as well as they should have for our own benefit?
1: That's a good question. I mean, there's no no real conclusive evidence that is, you know, gears people, really recommends one direction or the other. Right. So I always say, choose your leaner cuts, watch the portions that you're having, prepare it in a low-fat way. Right. Um, those things are what makes a difference. And when you look at your overall picture, we're talking six to eight ounces a day right. of protein. So divide it between lunch and dinner. Right. So all those things are kind of personal choices. Right. Um, none of them are bad choices. Yeah.
0: So, so you know, it's interesting. Mine came more Really out of experience I, uh-huh. My wife and I, several years ago um, We went to Hawaii and we're In the mountains in this little trolley And the guy is telling us how they don't allow Hormones and antibiotics in their cows And the cows are just like roaming free right. So later on we went And we hiked Diamond Head Mountain And we come down and there's like a food truck At the bottom And it's in my mind what he said earlier About no antibiotics, no hormones So sure. I chose to get a burger there and it was a it was a much different feeling like I didn't feel overly full and it wasn't a small burger, but it something felt different about it and ever since then I'm like, man, I need, the, I need to just spend them i need to like there's there's obviously something different at least the way my body responds right. um and it's it's worth the money at this point to me um oh this is a a great question um are all calories created equal?
1: So a calorie, well, it, are you talking about macronutrients? Or? Right.
0: So if I look at a, at a bag of Cheetos and I see <laughs> that, right, that it has, you know, 23 grams of carbohydrates versus uh, some all-grain bread that has 23 grains of carbohydrates, are those two things equal? Absolutely
1: not. All they're right. not equal. So you want to look at nutrient density. So okay. that's really the, what it boils down to. So how much bang for your buck are you getting from what you're choosing nutrition-wise? So a
0: whole grain piece of bread, you're going to get more B vitamins, a little bit of protein right. versus Cheetah, you're getting...
1: Taste. <laughs> Re, Refined <refried, laughs> high fat.
0: Right, right, tasty right. Food, but yeah. Um, so one of the... And this wasn't a question that came in, but it just kind of came to my mind. Like right now, there's this big um, kind of gluten-free kind of craze. And some of it is relevant. I understand that some people do have um, sensitivities. We probably all have some type of sensitivity, but some higher than others. But with that what makes sense to me is the nutritional side, right? In terms of really the recommended way to eat. You eat more vegetables, more food. Um, but now we have all these even snack foods that are, we, we've taken a gluten out of snacks. So it's, and I think we do it because we think it's healthy, mm-hmm. right? So in your opinion, is it healthy or is it just like anything else? It's It's just a snack that should be treated as a treat and not some substitute, um, just because the the gluten is removed
1: so so like you said gluten-free is something that is real mm-hmm. um, it's typically a diet that is designed for people that have celiac disease so they actually right. have a reaction when they're exposed to gluten um, that is not good for their intestines so they're they need to be real strict there are people that are gluten sensitive um, which is real symptoms too right. so it pays to look into that and, and choose wisely based on that um, Do you necessarily want to embark on a gluten-free diet just for the general population? Probably not. Because like you said, those foods can be very expensive too.
0: Right. Um, Now, how long have you been working in a clinical setting
1: So I've been a dietitian since 92, so 13 years at Cooper, Okay, and then dietitian a lot longer. So back in
0: 1992, was the gluten thing, like, did you ever see that back then?
1: Very rarely, very rarely, and a lot of dietitians now are specializing in GI. Right,
0: so So do you think it was something that was overlooked, or do you think that there's something... I'm almost into this conspiracy theory thing. Like, there's something going on in the food to cause, you know, right, XYZ things. And if we didn't see this, right, back in 92, or back in 82, or back in 72, what has changed along that way that is now causing that? Or did we simply not know to look for it?
1: Right. I think it's a combination of both. And we know we're so much further advanced in research now and there's a lot I mean we're in the infancy stages of gut the gut biome right, right, right. nutrition but um, it's exciting Right. and I do think like you said I think some things were overlooked I think people just walked around and had bloating and you know issues and right. didn't know what it was from
0: well years ago um, I don't know if you ever read the book Wheat Belly uh-huh. um, but something stood out in there and people can you know take bits and pieces from their books they wish but um he spoke about how people would train for a marathon and they would not lose weight. And And I really thought about that because I knew a lot of people in that case. And I don't know that they're consuming as many calories as as they're burning during their training. And that was the first time I really started to question is calories in, calories out, the, the end-all be-all as it relates to being able to lose and gain weight or are there other factors um, that are involved? So from a nutritionist standpoint, I would I would venture to say you've been taught on that same platform, right? The calories in versus calories out. But based on what you see, do you still think that that's the end-all be-all as it relates to weight gain and weight loss?
1: I do think you need to consider body composition, the rate that they burn calories. There's there's more to it. It's multifactorial. Right. And then what is your body holding on to? Right. You know, so it's definitely something that that there's a lot of
0: factors to consider. Yeah. You know, I I feel like the more I try to learn, the more I realize this is like, um, like you almost need a a course in so many other things from, uh, from cortisol levels to stress to gut bacteria. Like the gut thing is new for me, like within the last year and not really realizing, like it's a huge impact in in our life period. Um, And I actually want to do a whole nother show on, on that. Um,
1: people don 't consider stress and sleep either yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, you have got to be able you have to sleep to manage the hormone levels to promote a weight loss if they 're not right. sleeping, we can tell them all day what to eat
0: but. right so it's funny because people will say I only need four hours you know a night to sleep. they may feel like they right. function well off of four hours, but i'm not really a believer that anybody needs just four hours of sleep right so um is, is there a difference between like seven and eight has always been recommend recommended. Do you think six is enough? Six to eight is what the research shows. Yeah. Th- does it need to be consecutive or, or could it be six in a two-hour nap at some point in the day? To
1: get into the three stages,
0: all right. probably all at once. Okay. Yeah. I got you. Yeah. Um, so how much of a role do you think uh, nutrition plays in the ability to sleep? Like some people just have a hard time fall asleep, staying asleep, It can nutrition be a factor Absolutely. in that?
1: Absolutely. So usually we'll look at making sure that they um, don't have the caffeine. Right, right, that right. can be a stimulant. So there's different foods that, I mean, if they have chocolate right before bed, sometimes the caffeine can be a stimulant. Is that uh, what that was? <laughs> <laughs> chocolate. <laughs> right. Yeah, so we'll look at that. And then just, there's, you know, we look at tryptophan in foods. Sometimes that can help people to induce sleep.
0: Right. So there's So the talk flavor. a little bit about about tryptophan. My first time ever hearing yeah. that was uh in regards to it, it's in Turkey and that's why we all fall asleep at Thanksgiving, right? When right. we eat. But I'm i I'm convinced because like our plates are nobody should have as much food as we eat on Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so yeah. It, is turkey one of the foods with tryptophan it in is, it? it um, is. Yeah. A proteins have
1: it too. Okay. So yeah. It's it's been known to help with sleep.
0: Okay. So. Cool. Um, so now this was my personal question because it's something I'm, I've am played around with, but now I'm trying to venture into it for a longer period of time. Um, what are your, your thoughts on intermittent fasting?
1: So there is a lot of good research on intermittent fasting. It just depends on your approach. So mm-hmm. there's different ways to do that. So there's a, I don't know which plan you're starting
0: with. So right now um, I'm just working within a window. So my eating window is between 10 and 6. Okay. So, um, which was a little challenge for me because I am a breakfast eater. So, it's taken a while just to even get to the point where I'm comfortable waiting till 10 o'clock to eat. Um, but I'm trying to consume all of my calories in between 10 a.m. and 6 p.m. Um, and I'm also kind of paying attention more to how my body feels. Like, I notice if I eat a, um, a meal higher in carbohydrates, um, I'm, it, I'm just not as hungry. Like yesterday, I ate breakfast, which was just eggs and turkey bacon. But then two hours later, I was able to eat again. And I had a lot more carbohydrates. And I had a hard time getting my other two meals in before six because I I was full, Um, which is it was different for me. But that's just me paying attention more now Um, and not just forcing it, but wanting to see how my body feels.
1: Right. Right. So I think people need to consider... You know when they're more active during the day and what their window is. So it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to keep your window from one to nine p.m. When you're less active and you're you're needing to be productive and be well fueled during your work hours. So so just pacing that fasting period that makes
0: sense for you. So everything I've read has talked about the success in weight loss with intermittent fasting. Uh Um, Is it just more control over our calories, or is there something? Because I've I've read this too. Is there something hormonally helping us out that's allowing us to lose weight faster so,
1: so they are looking at they've looked at the research has shown looking at insulin levels mm-hmm. and things like that and there can be a benefit but the net result at the end of all the studies is very similar so again if it's something i would say your mind is a very powerful tool if you think right. it's going to work it probably will work <laughs> right 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 the, the question is can you sustain it and maintain it
0: once you get to that goal is it is it livable right and i feel like it is like i, I haven't cut out anything right. um this is just all food timing now the hard thing is you know a lot of times when people want to go out it's later and like how do i make those adjustments if this is um a kind of a lifestyle that i want to maintain right. but i the benefit i've seen so far i wake up feeling amazing mm-hmm. um so it's a really interesting thing and i see, you know i drink coffee and drink water in the morning before i eat but I wake up. Um, I feel like I sleep great. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do, you know, supplement. I take ZMA for some magnesium and, and stuff like that. Um, but I wake up feeling great. So we'll see how it goes. Um, two more questions. Um, what really happens when the body doesn't get enough calories?
1: So your body will resort to another source. So fat, the byproduct of breaking down fat for energy, is ketones. Mm-hmm. So you can. Um, use ketones for energy right not necessarily a great environment over a long period of time because it's an acidic environment right
0: so i i've always with the with the not getting enough calories i just feel like you know again it's mental right people can think oh i can do this but i'm a big believer that just like with exercise injuries when your body needs to shut down it's going to shut down and it's not pretty Right. So when we're trying to run, we know that our knee hurts, but we're trying to push through it. Well, when, that, when it gets worse, it gets worse and we're out for a longer period of time. Right. And I, I feel like the same thing happens um, with this. Like, if you're not, like, let's say a person eating 800 calories a day and they're trying to work out every day. I, I think, and you can verify, at a certain point, their body's going to say, I, I just can't do this anymore. And that comes in the form of whether illness or injury or something else comes along. Is that something that, am I just making this up in my head or, or is there some no, truth to you that?
1: Have, you have a deficit going on. So you're putting more demands on your body and you're not fueling yourself properly. And right. I mean, it will there will be consequences, whether it's a headache or fatigue or, you know, immune system issues. Right, so right, so right. You, your body will compensate. Right. Um, but you're kind of forcing it to break down protein and run on fat for energy, which isn't the most... Efficient thing.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I said two more questions, but I have another one. Thinking back sure. to something you said earlier, um, you mentioned the set point, uh-huh. um, and that's something people don't talk about a lot. But does everybody have one? Um, well, first of all, could, could, could you talk about a little bit about what it is? Sure. Does everybody have one, and how can we discover it?
1: So a set point is a weight that your body defends. Mm-hmm. So it's a it's a weight that your body. It's easy to lose weight to, but it's hard to lose weight past, past that. And it's easy to gain weight right back to that Right, right, right. So it's a it's a weight that your body kind of defends. Okay. Um. Can you get past it? Yes. Your other question was. Can you reset it? Um. Sure. Okay. Sure. But it takes time and discipline and dedication. Right,
0: right, right. Because I, I think I know where mine is, and mm-hmm. this and. It's about (laughs) ten. No, it's not where I want. (laughs) But you know, and the funny part. um, So I I got about ten pounds underneath it. Like I, I think mine is about two forty-seven, and I got down to two thirty-seven one time, and I, I thought I looked great, but I felt like my metabolism was out of control. Like I could not stop eating and that and the weight came back like no matter what I did, it crept back up and played more in that two forty two to um to two forty five range. I really want to be two thirty five. Like in my head, that's just some random number I came up with. Um but my I don't know that my body likes that. Um doesn't sound like it. Yeah. <laughs> and that was that was years ago that I got there. So we'll see if I can get back there. Um but final Takes a lot of restriction and working out. It did take a lot to to get there, but it was also, I was a lot more, um, I was doing a lot more cardiovascular work than I normally do then, Uh um, which I'm about to get in a phase of that right now, too. So we'll see what my body does. Um, So, last question, um, and there there may be a lot to talk about here, um, but one of the biggest craze right now, as you know, is the the ketogenic diet. Mm -hmm. Um, What are your thoughts in terms of is it safe? Is it for everybody? Um, and if somebody dies into it, how, how long do you think it's sustainable for the average person?
1: Right, right. So um, I think people need to do their research on what a ketogenic diet is mm-hmm. before they embark on something. But the evidence-based research does support a ketogenic diet in some things. Um, they're looking at it for Alzheimer's disease, dementia, um, controlling epilepsy. So it's been around forever. It's not right. new. But it's a very restrictive diet. I mean, we're talking 5% carbs, right 70 something percent fat, and then 20% protein. So it's a very hard challenge. Sometimes I'll say it's not a keto diet, it's a Cheeto diet. Because <laughs> you're right. going to cheat on it because it's right. so hard. It's so difficult to maintain and sustain. Right.
0: Well, you would think I get to eat all the fat I want. That shouldn't be that okay. hard, right?
1: Right. And then do you do you look at the Health part of it I mean what does that make sense for you do you have a right. family history of heart disease does it make sense to load yourself up with a lot of saturated fat Right. Um, do people get results sure because they're doing something different Right. and they're they're filling up and fat makes you feel full on fewer calories right. so that's kind of the premise behind that the ketogenic diet with weight loss Right. but again you're not running on the preferred fuel source and it's an acidic environment over a long period of time is it harmful for a short
0: period, probably not. Okay. What, you know, one of the things that does make me curious about it and not necessarily trying it, but there's a lot of talk about um, the positive effects on the brain um, because of the increase in fat. And I do think, you know, we got away from, from fats with the low fat diet and, you know, we figured out that didn't work. But now it seems like people are scared of fat. And I think it's because we've stigmatized fat and we associate food fat with the stigmatism. Um, can you, as a, as a kind of closing, can you talk a little bit about the role? uh, Well, really about like why that happens. Like why is fat good for our brain?
1: So carbohydrates fuels our brain the best. So fat necessarily isn't great for the brain. Just part. So When you look at a fat molecule, just part of the fat can fuel our brain. Okay. It's the rest of it's not that efficient at doing that. Okay. Um, but I, I would really kind of focus on the good and the bad fat more right. so than anything. So really focusing on the nuts, the seeds, the avocados, the oils versus the saturated fat. Right, right, right. The, so your brain ultimately wants to run on glucose. Right, right, right. So it's going to find it from wherever it needs to. Okay. But so I always say, you know, you have to consider headaches whenever you're doing a super, super low-carb diet, and it also, since it's an acidic environment, it can impact your breath.
0: So that's, (laughs) are you saying that headaches are a sign uh that we're not getting enough carbohydrates? Okay. Right.
1: Cool. So so you're forcing your body to run on that fat. All right. So, and then the bad breath, that's a big issue. I've heard about that before. (laughs) (laughs) You'll run off your friends. Right, 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 right.
0: right. And why is that? It's the the acid. It's
1: a chemical reaction because of all the, Acid
0: in your And that system. never goes away. That's just a part of it. Uh,
1: once you start eating carbs, it goes away. <laughs> <laughs> Hilarious. You
0: carbs. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, awesome. Um, so I'm going to end with just kind of a fun question. We talked a lot about um, kind of our vices about going out. Uh, if you were going through a drive through, where would you go? And oh, what well. would you get? So I like
1: Chick fil A. Okay. That's probably my top one. And I usually get a char grilled chicken sandwich. Right. On that wheat bun and then a side of fruit.
0: I love Chick-fil-A, but I'm not going to talk about what I ordered. (laughs) Colleen, thank you for your time and for stopping by today. Uh, I look forward to talking to you soon. All right. Thank you.